Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Philly Fundamentals podcast. Um, I'm your host, Billy Brunham. You may know me from different podcasts that I've been on. I'm on I was on Stupid Money, a Phillies podcast, and I was also on the Step Over a Sixers podcast. And those are no longer occurring. So that is why I am making my own show. Um, if you're listening, you probably either know me or follow me on Twitter at Philly Fundamentals. And thank you for listening. Um, so no longer doing those other shows, but I still wanted to do something. So I'm going to be doing this um, this show by myself. Then I'll have reoccurring guests on each show. Um, this one's just going to be me, though, because the Sixers lost their series yesterday. And I needed a little bit of time to vent as well. If you can tell from my somber tone a little bit, I'm still I mean, kind of depressed, as I'm sure everyone else is. And I can understand if you don't want to listen to this because it will only be about the Sixers. And if you don't want to think about it, that's perfectly fine. But this is kind of a coping mechanism for me. And I, I think I'm a pretty knowledgeable sports fan, especially with the 76ers. So I'm going to try and lay out my thoughts. I've had a night to decompress. I was thinking about doing it last night, but that might have been a little bit too emotional. Um, but I have some thoughts and ideas that I'd like to share and just kind of get off my head so I personally can try and feel better. So, all right, we're just going to, I guess, get right right into it. So I was actually at, at the game, at game seven. It was a great atmosphere. The fans were electric. Uh, I don't really regret going because – it could have been really, really cool, and the outcome would have been fantastic, would have made it the best sporting event I've ever been to. First playoff game I've ever been to for any sport. But um, it was a great atmosphere. I think the, the fans brought it. Um, the home court advantage, it, it was there. I mean, I know we had a losing record at home in the series, but that's nothing on the fan. I'm sorry if you can hear that in the background. Um, we'll add playing there. So I'm going to start at the top. Um, I'm going to start with Doc Rivers. And I know this was his first year. You know, we were the one seed. But honestly, I, I would not – they're not going to do this. <clears throat> but I would not have a problem with them firing Doc Rivers. I mean, you saw what he did last year with the Clippers blowing that 3-1 lead. Um, you saw what he did this series when we had two 20-point leads. The, the rotations that he plays – it's kind of mind-boggling how he's stuck with some all-bench lineups at times. He had people in there just couldn't score the basketball. I mean, there's just – every time we come out of a timeout, we never score, and usually it's a turnover. So the plays he draws up just – it's not it's not there. And, uh, and they're not going to – I mean, like I said, they're not going to do this because it was his first year and we were the one seed. But he's just not a good coach. And you see it in his history. He has the lowest – win percentage in closeout games of a series. I forget what the minimum amount of games was, but then in NBA history, it's the lowest. And all these series leads he's blowing. I mean, I would. you have other options out there. You got Rick Carlisle, who just got fired for some reason from the Mavericks. And I, or I would just fire him and go with Sam Cassell, one of our assistant coaches. He's been a top candidate for coaching positions for a couple of years now give him a chance to just run the team because doc obviously just isn't it but they're they're not going to make that change just saying that's that's what i would do 
he deserves Doc deserves a lot of the blame. Um, then I'll I'll start going through. You know what? We'll start with the Hawks because then I'll get into this more in depth with the Sixers. So the Hawks, credit to the Hawks, they won the series. You know, they there's some great young players and some good savvy veterans on the team. Like coming off the bench, Lou Williams. I honestly think he should play more. He seems to score whenever he's on the court. Gallinari did a great job this series. We defended him very poorly. Um, George Hill just got absolutely destroyed by Gallinari. And the fact when you double a guard and then Gallinari, who's saying a screen, just pops open and gets a standstill three, that is his game. He is too slow to take it to the basket anymore. But we didn't defend him properly, which is another, you know, critique of Doc because, you know, his defensive scheme, he did not adjust at all. And then, you know, Gallinari did, did his job. So credit to him. Um, also, I don't know why we weren't taking Gallinari when he's – whoever he's defending, he's slower than. He was on Tobias a lot. Tobias should have just been able to go right by him. He's so much quicker than him, and he didn't do that at all. It was – huge mistake one of the reasons why we couldn't score at times um so, but those two guys did their job coming off the bench um Akangwu, he played some very valuable minutes he was plus nine last night the best plus minus of someone off the bench He was plus nine in, in 16 minutes he's very athletic he did a, a great job coming off the bench um then for their start john collins john collins is a decent player i don't think he should have turned down that contract that he did um i don't think he's ever going to be great but he's he's a he's a decent player. I, I hate his attitude. He seems very smug and thinks he's better than he is. And him wearing that shirt after the in his post game interview really pissed me off. Just because one, with it was the shirt with him post rising and beat is what I'm talking about. I don't know how that was a defensive foul call in game six. Um, it should have either been an offensive foul since he practically put him beat in a headlock. Or, or a no call. I would have been fine with either of those. But the fact that they called a defensive foul with that just blows my mind. Also, then when Embiid, you know, went up, you know, they called a offensive foul on Embiid in the play. Um, same game, you know, they because the reason why they said Embiid, the foul on Embiid on the John Collins dunk was a defensive foul was because Embiid was in the restricted zone. Even though, I mean, it's not like it was a charge or anything that really should not have mattered, but I'll get to the, the refs later. And then later in the game, and John Collins is in the restricted zone, Embiid goes up, and he catches John Collins in the jaw because he kind of stuck it in there, and Embiid just kind of went, went – pretty much just went up for the basket. But that's an offensive foul on Embiid, so the logic just wasn't the same. did not make sense. And then they fall down. You know, John Collins kicks Embiid, then shoves Embiid. Embiid gets up, standing there with his – arms open, gets a little bit in John Collins' face. Trey Young then shoves Embiid into John Collins, and they go into the baseline near the basket. So we have Trey Young shoving Embiid, but before that we have John Collins kicking Embiid and then shoving Embiid on the ground. Embiid did not make contact with either of them, and then Embiid got fined $35,000, which just seems on par for what the NBA and the, the rest were doing in, in this series. But John Collins seems to have very smug, um about himself i don't like his attitude but i mean he he is a decent player so you know he plays some good basketball this series i'll, I'll give him props um clint capella you know he 
defended Embiid well at times. You know, he's pretty terrible offensively, but, you know, he, he did his job well enough. Uh, Bogdanovich, earlier in, in the series, he was on fire, hampered by a knee injury, didn't play as much. But, you know, he, Bogdanovich is a very, very good player, but you could see he was hindered a, a little bit, did not play well in the last two games of the series. I mean, Kevin Herter, classic Sixers killer. I mean, he just completely went off. We really do not have an answer for him, considering that's who we had to put Seth on. And, you know, I can't be mad at Seth for what he did offensively. And if Seth was in a decent position at times guarding Kevin Herter, it's just Kevin Herter is so much taller than him, and he was able to shoot above him. But Herter played fantastic in game seven. Had to give him credit, which is, I mean, you should be able to stop Kevin Herter. I mean, he's not, he's good. He's not that good. But you should be able to, to stop him, and we didn't. But, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. So now I'm going to get to Trey Young. You know, Trey Young is a very skilled basketball player. I mean, there's there's no denying that. He can shoot, he can pass, he can, he can dribble. You can't defend a lick, but he's a very skilled offensive basketball player. That being said, I really, really hate him. He just searches out fouls when he's not looking for the basket. He jumps sideways, he jumps backwards, and then – they're shooting fouls somehow when he's not really shooting. Trey Young is hooking his arm and holding the defending player's arms, and somehow it's a foul on the defense. Don't under, don't really understand that. Kind of reminds me of what James Harden would do a little bit. And then, you know, he's using his left arm to just completely shove off. His arm is extended. He's shoving off, and it's either it's not a foul or they, they will call it a defensive foul, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, he travels a lot when he chucks it up in the air or trying to get the foul calling. We'll catch it in half the time. The NBA refs won't call that. But Trey Young just searches out fouls when he's not looking for the basket. It's really not basketball. And that's one of the problems with the NBA is because they reward players like that. Um, and that's probably like why people don't want to watch the NBA because it's really stupid. It's just not basketball at all. Um, but I mean, I'm not taking this away from his skill. Just the way that he plays searching out the foul is very, very frustrating to watch because it shouldn't be rewarded in any sense of the matter, yet it is. And I don't understand how it's gotten to this point. And I think they're going to make some changes. They probably won't make enough um, in the rule book, but it's just so, so stupid. Um, I mean, last night he was bad. He was really, really bad. He was five for 23. Two for 11 from three-point land. And he scored 21 points because he was nine for 11 from the free throw line. But he really probably – the max free throws he should have was probably six. And that's like being conservative considering the amount of fouls that they would call. And that just were not fouls. But it's – I mean, they won. The Hawks should not be in these conference finals. I mean, we, the Sixers should have won at least five of those seven games, like easily. And we didn't do it, but you know, they did. So, you know, I won't be watching the Eastern Conference Finals, Hawks versus Bucks, but you know, the Haw- I've, it's Trey Young is now one of the ESPN guys. You know, they're just going to hype up Trey Young. They're going to say how great he played, even though he shot five for 23. Because if, if the Hawks lost game seven, it would have been on Trey Young because we did not play well. And Trey Young was kind of bailing us out at times. Because if you look at the Hawks, 
team shooting percentage. They shot 44% as a team. And Trey Young was five for 23. So they were shooting over 50% without Trey Young. So, I mean, that just – his shot selection is also extremely poor at times. There's no need for him to shoot three-pointers seven feet beyond three-point three point arc with four, four seconds into the shot clock. I mean, but that's him. That's the way the NBA is kind of going. Um, there's definitely people who are better than him that can do that. But, you know, he's one of the new ESPN kids. He's – I want to stress this. I'm not saying he stinks. He is very, very talented. It's just the way that he plays the game is really frustrating to watch. The way he complains, too. He complains to these officials kind of like in a way LeBron James complains. And Trey Young, more so than like LeBron or any other star, I would say, besides maybe James Harden, gets every call going his way. Absolutely everyone, unless it's blatantly obvious. And even then, even when it's blatantly obvious, he still most of the time gets it. But, like, dude, how are you complaining so much when they really, like, change the way they call the game around you to benefit you? And he still, like, for some, like, he's such a whiner. I just, I don't really respect the way he plays the game. I mean, the whole, the whole aspect of it. I, re- I really don't. He feels entitled. Uh, a lot of him and John Collins really felt entitled. But I mean, you can't. Can't give him props for that. Who I can give props to is Nate McMillan. He was one of the guys that actually wanted to be the 76ers coach for this year, and turns out I was probably correct with that. Um, could not believe that he got fired from the Pacers last year because they were practically blaming him for getting swept when his team just completely overachieved to get to the playoffs. And as you see, they didn't make the playoffs this year. So I'm sure they're regretting firing Nate McMillan. He's going to become the permanent Hawks coach, I assume, which is a shame because we probably could have had him and it could have been beneficial to us. But, you know, I'm a big Nate McMillan fan, so props to him for doing a very, very good job well done because that's exactly what I knew he could do. Um, If you listen to Stupid Money or not, I'm sorry, the Step Over podcast that I was on last year um, or before the season started, you would know that I was wanting Nate McMillan to be the coach. Um, so yeah, that's a miss. That's a miss on our part, in, in my opinion. So I, I talked about Doc already. Um, gonna kind of go into the 76ers players a little bit now. And I'll start with the bench. So Dwight Howard, you know, he's a good center, backup center in the regular season. Didn't really do too much in this series, didn't play that much. Um, you know, because we're playing in beat a little bit more. There's not too much I want to say about Dwight because he was definitely an upgrade. His fouls were so stupid. But, you know, sometimes, like, yesterday, Seth Curry got kneed in the face. Some John Collins just, like, runs out. And Curry's going around the screen and just jumps up and nails him the draw. That's not reviewed. And Dwight Howard's just going up to get a rebound or a shot. I forget what it was. And John Collins' face is – or. No, he kind of – John Collins jumped backwards, and Dwight might have, like, gone to try and block it, and it hit him in the forehead. Like, it hits him in the head. But, I mean, it's just because John Collins jumped backwards and put his head, like, right in there, and that's a flagrant. Just like the one with the other day when Dwight was boxing out and John Collins just runs right into his arm. Like, yeah, there's contact there, but that's not a flagrant foul. 
it's just it's reviewed because it's Dwight Howard because he did stupid fouls in the regular season. Um, I don't think he'll be back. He seems to be someone who's hopping around all the place. I don't even know if he was going to play next year. He's kind of, he's getting up there, but you know Dwight served his purpose for the most part. It might be kind of tough to find a better backup center. Maybe we would be able to. I don't really know. Um, so not much to say about Dwight. Um, Tyrese Maxey, you know, this this kid is going to be great. You know, Tyrese Maxey had a great game in game six, one of the only reasons why we won that game. He just provides such a spark. I couldn't believe it took him that doc that long to put him in the playoff rotation. You know, he didn't get many shots up yesterday. He was 0 for 2. But, you know, him coming in in his rookie year, such great potential. I don't understand how he fell to pick number 21. Um, one of the only Sixers that I'm happy with, and because you just know that this kid is going to improve so much. He's got the work ethic. He's got the attitude. And he's got the ability to score and break someone down, which we've been drastically missing. So, I mean, he's going to be – He's got a very, very bright future. I cannot wait to see what he has in store. Um, next, Matisse Thibel. So, Matisse, people love him. I think people love him too too much. Um, a little bit more of a – there's a Matisse fan club almost going around. And, you know, I like Matisse. He's a very good defender. And he shot the ball well yesterday. He was three for five from the field, one for two from three-point land. But then there's times when he can be a black hole on offense and, you know, he's just bricking everything. And he's also so stupid. He's made two crucial fouls at the ends of games five and game seven, which contributed to us losing the game. Like, last night, how can you foul Kevin Herter on that three? You've already made the mistake once in the series with Trey Young. And you do it again. We were down one at the time. Then Herter would, would have missed the shot because Matisse hit him after the shot, after the ball was released. And Herter missed it. And then he gets three free throws, which, of course, he makes all of them. <laughs> and, you know, that's contributing to the end of the game. But he's got to be smarter. And, you know, he's a great defender. He very well could win defensive player of the year next year if the voters just aren't completely stupid like they were this year. But he's just got to be smart, and he's got to still work on his offensive game. It definitely improved from last year. But, you know, I'm not in the Matisse camp right now because he was that, that dumb. And, you know, obviously every shot does not go in. But late in the fourth quarter, you have a wide-open three, like wide open. You need you need to knock that down. I mean, you're an NBA player. You you need to be able to knock down a wide-open three um, in that point of the game. And he wasn't able to do it. Another – Reason why we lost. Shake Milton. Um, you know, from the beginning, I wasn't people were super high on Shake. I was not. Um, I think I was wrong in a sense, and I think I was right in a sense. So I did not think Shake Milton could be, you know, the guy. You know, I did not want him really playing point guard because I thought he got rattled too much. Um, and then last year that he kind of played well in the bubble a little bit after that one game where he looked absolutely horrendous. And then this year, he, you know, he was doing some great things off the bench and I thought I was wrong and he completely lost his confidence. Had that one great game in game two earlier this series. And then he just didn't do anything for the rest of the series. So 
you know, I think I was right and wrong in a sense. You saw he didn't play in some of the games because Maxi. I think Maxi's better than him, and Maxi kind of took his mitts there. But yeah, next year hopefully he'll be. He, he needs to gain some confidence, and we're going to need him and Maxi to probably both contribute on the floor at the same time at points next year. Um, so I mean, he's. I think he has one more year left on his contract. It's a very team friendly deal, but we're gonna we're going to need to figure something out with him because we can't – he's talented enough where he shouldn't be a DMP. He's got to figure something out mentally. Um, next up was – only other bench player left that played was George Hill. We traded him for Tony Bradley, and we probably should not have. Um, George Hill was minus 15 in 22 minutes of play yesterday, and it seemed like his job was to get cooked by Gallinari. Um He's, George Hill was supposedly a good shooter, yet he didn't really shoot. He refused to. Um, he just didn't bring much to the team besides a veteran presence. So I don't really – I don't think he'll be back. I don't really know what to, else to say about him besides that trade might not look too hot now. Um, I thought it was a decent trade at first just because I thought he was filling a hole, and he just didn't live do – I mean, I didn't have high hopes for him. But he didn't do enough, really. Um, the guys off the bench that didn't play, you know, Mike Scott, he's just completely awful. Um, I think he's gone um, kind of a long ways away from fifth regional manager in the Mike's hot, Mike Scott high days when he first came over two years ago. Um, Anthony Tolliver, unfortunate for him that he couldn't get a ring in what's likely to be his last NBA season. Paul Reed got he's got some potential for sure. Maybe he's going to be, you know, a nice power forward for us off the bench next year. I don't really know. And then Ray John Tucker and Isaiah Joe, they might see some more times down in uh, Delaware with the Blue Coats, but you know, we'll we'll see. I don't really know what Isaiah Joe definitely has a little bit of a future with this team. I don't really know what Ray John Tucker does. All right, so now the starters. Um, probably one I have the least to say about is Furkan Korkmaz. Um, so you definitely saw Furkan improve again this year after he really improved last year. You know, he's a, he's a competent NBA player at times. He, he still needs to work on his defense. I don't really know if it will get that much better than what it is right now, but um, you know, he's a good shooter. He's a, probably a good off the bench player to play about 15 min- minutes a game. I think people hate on him a little bit too much because he's really not, but he needs to be on. You can tell when he's off right away and then you just don't want to play him, which is, which I think is valid. <clears throat> um, excuse me. <clears throat> um, but, you know, he came in, started, I, I thought he did, you know, he was on at the beginning of the game and he was getting cooked. But so I can't really blame him on that because then, he was getting hurt or was just dropping buckets on whoever was guarding him. But it's also the the scheme because the way we were defending him, we were leaving Herder wide open at times. So I mean, you know, Furkan, I don't know if he'll be back. Um he could be, but he he might get a contract somewhere else. I honestly I would be fine with either one of them. And then we'll go to Tobias next. You know, Tobias has to be better. You know, Tobias played okay. Um, eight for 24. I mean, that's really, really bad as for someone at Tobias's level of play. 
eight for 24 from the field. He met, he missed some point blank shots, like two wide open layups, some shots like five feet away from the rim where he's turning around. And he has a wide, like easy look at the, at the net. I mean, you just have to be better when they're Tobias Harris. And this is the second year in a row in the playoffs where he, when he's kind of shrunk, um, you know, he's getting paid 180 million. He's, he doesn't play like a 180 million guy when it matters. And great regular season for him. Doc kind of brought it out of him, I think. But and he looked more comfortable, you know, in in this offense. But yeah, you got to be better than eight for twenty four in a game seven if you're Tobias Harris. I mean, you you really do. You're missing some easy, easy point blank shots. You know, they're going to him in the fourth quarter, and you just don't have any confidence in him. And this is where it kind of comes back to you know the decision to really keep Tobias over. Jimmy Butler. I know Jimmy Butler didn't play well in this playoffs, but, you know, they were kind of hoping that Tobias could elevate his game a little bit. And in the times when we need it, you don't, you haven't seen that really much from, from Tobias Harris. I mean, and I don't know if we ever will, which is an issue because we're paying him all that money. But I mean, he, you can put some of the blame on him. I think that is fair because he definitely disappeared in some of the games, especially in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, he, and he didn't really play well. He played okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it is fair when you're getting paid $180 million that you need to be able to absorb some of the blame. And I, he played 45 minutes, you know, minus six and the plus minus. Only 24 points on 24 shots. That's, that's not going to cut it. Uh, I'll, I'll go to Seth Curry next. You know, he, he, what, what can I say about Seth? I mean, he did a great job. He was on fire um, offensively. Defensively yesterday, he was getting hurt a little bit. There were some really stupid foul calls on him that he did. He did because he reached in too much. He doesn't need to reach in like that. Um, and he's smaller than Herder, so Herder was able to shoot right over him. But, I mean, you can't be mad at him for what he did offensively. I mean, he was on fire. He was probably our best player in this in this series. And the fact that, you know, we got Seth Curry just for Josh Richardson blows my mind, really. Um, great trade. I mean, he's able to get to the rim, too. And you know, Seth Curry does not deserve to go out you know, in the Eastern Conference semifinals. He deserves – Seth Curry's playing like he, he wanted to make it to the NBA Finals. So I only have glowing remarks to say about Seth Curry, and I'm really glad that he's a, a sixer. He's probably the only one that I have only positive things to say about. Um, and, and Bede's the other one where I have mostly positive things to say. I mean, we all know he was the runner-up for MVP – I mean, he's playing on a partially torn meniscus, so give him props for that. Um, he's he's dropping 30 and 10 a game, so it's really hard to say some critical things of him. But when, when it comes to the fourth quarter, I mean, even in the rest of the game, too, you have to be able to get the ball to Embiid lower on the block, and he's got to be able to try and set himself up there and get position. And he doesn't seem to do that enough throughout the whole game, but especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, we're giving to him out on the wing, and he's doing fadeaways from the corner. I mean, 
that's really not what you want to do. I mean, he can take Capella. He can take pretty much any center in the league if he just gets the ball down low and he just doesn't do it. And I know they're doubling him, but you get it, you kick it out, you swing around, you get an open shot. But, I mean, you got to – that's my biggest my biggest issue with him and also the turnovers. I mean, the turnovers, which he had solved a lot in the regular season, came back to bite him in these playoffs pretty much because he, was, he wasn't strong with the ball. You got to be stronger with the ball as well. I, I know they're reaching in. I know they're slapping you, but it's the playoffs. You know, against the Sixers, they're not calling those fouls. So you got to be stronger with the ball. You have to go up strong, try, try and make the shot. Stop fading away. So that that's what he has. I mean, when you're you when you're the best player, when you lose, you gotta take a little bit of the the flack. I know that he's he had an apology to the fans. I mean, I appreciated it. Uh, he I, he's not the the problem. I mean, we have many more problems besides him. But those are just some things that he really needs to work on. But I don't know if he will, based on some of his comments how that's not what the league is like anymore. Like, I know it's a guard league, but if he gets the ball down low, there's no one that can really guard him. Yeah, he just doesn't – he doesn't do that. Um, but, you know, I this isn't – we didn't lose because of Joel Embiid. You know, he played pretty well. He shot over 50% from the field yesterday, uh, missed a few free throws. I mean, he dropped 30 and 10. So, I mean, what – you can't really harp on too many, many things with him. He's a, one of the best players in the NBA. My worry with him is the health, as always. You know, he's got a, he was playing on a partially torn, partially torn meniscus. You know, he's got he's to get healthy, you know. But next year, you know, can he stay healthy? That is a major question mark. It's a major question mark. The talent's there is, is the health. Uh, this this seemed like it's like like the year for him but, uh, before he got hurt for the awards, um, and this seemed like the window for him to lead a team to the championship as well. Which um, it's not closed, but the door is closing. Um, but we'll see what this offseason holds with with one certain player in particular, the only guy left. I have yet to talk about which is Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, you know, supposed to be the second best player on the team. Max contract, number one draft pick overall. He shot the ball four times in 36 minutes of play. He shot the ball four times. Um, he passed up a wide-open dunk, which would have tied the game. It was literally on the block with Trey Young, not even in the lane yet, trying to run over to him. He could have just dunked that. He passed the ball. That was the moment. I've been, been a Ben Simmons defender up until, you know, the last couple of days. Ben Simmons is fantastic at almost every aspect of playing basketball. He's a great rebounder. He is a great passer. He's the best defender in the NBA at the moment, and he got robbed of Defensive Player of the Year, which is still a fact. Um, but it shows that you can be good, you can be great, that every aspect of basketball besides scoring the basketball and you can be unplayable at times, completely unplayable. And I think this is what people who, who defend Ben Simmons and when they make basketball arguments sometimes, they underestimate the need for the ability to score. 
because that is by far the most important thing in the game of basketball is scoring. And Ben Simmons cannot do that. And we had to pull him. This man has regressed on the basketball court, on in the offensive half court, unlike any player I've ever seen. He used to at least shoot the ball a little bit, you know, in college and in the summer league. You see all those practice videos of him practicing his jump shot, his three-pointer. And he's not even looking at the rim anymore. He shot the ball four times, and he passed up a wide-open dunk. He doesn't want to drive. He's so passive. He is such a beta. And it really hurts because I have defended him. There's, I think people who have attacked Ben Simmons, um, they've been wrong in a way too because they fail, fail to recognize what he will open up for certain people. That's a lot of things in the regular season as well. I mean, this is the playoffs when you need to in, be individually able to just go score, and he can't do that. But when you fail to look at the rim, you fail to just go for an open dunk, you you shoot the ball four times and you're on a max contract. Like, uh, I was a Ben fan, but I really don't want to ever see him in a 76ers uniform again. I really don't. Uh, I will lose something defensively, but I can't deal with people with other teams, you know, fouling him and him shooting three for 12 from the free throw line. I mean, if you're a professional basketball player, all you need to do in your Ben Simmons, you really only need to practice on shooting jumpers and free throws and lifting weights. That's like, that's it all day when you're not practicing yet. You know, he doesn't, or he's just regressed so much. There's something in his head probably that, you know, messes him up. I mean, we had – it's – I mean, you can make fun of Sixers fans all you want for, you know, giving their support to him and he can't shoot, and then even giving their support to, say, Markel Fultz because we really did give him un- unconditional support. But there's two, two guys drafted number one overall that could not shoot the basketball, which is – crazy but both were kind of consensus number one overall picks it just happened to be us that got screwed over but you know and it's a shame because we could have I mean the Rockets were asking for a lot more than Ben Simmons for for James Harden so I don't like when people say you know you could have just traded Ben for Harden we would have had to give up a lot more which probably would have included Tyrese Maxey would it have been worth it I don't know we I mean we would have been the Hawks probably um, would be, but Harden's also hurt now. So I, you know, you never know. But if you're just trading Ben Simmons, like I don't know what you get for him anymore. And there's, I saw some poll, you know, would Wizards, it was for a Wizards fan poll, would they want to trade Russell Westbrook for Ben Simmons? And I don't like Russell Westbrook really. I think he's not a winner. He, he goes out in the first round every year, but I'd rather have him than Ben. At least Westbrook would look to shoot and it'll bring the energy. But I don't know if that would be possible anymore. And that, like before that, you know, you could get much better than Russell Westbrook. But now that's, that might be the ceiling. I, I, it's, it's tough because, you know, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot. But I, I don't think we can, we can have him on the court. I think Philly fans are sick of it. 
you know, it's it's tough to play in Philadelphia for sure. But when you refuse to work on the things that you need to work on and you just visibly don't care about certain things and, you know, you're not even trying to play hard and just go hard to the rim. I mean, they're going to eat you alive and they're not going to take it anymore. Um, you see, like, Embiid's pissed off at him. Doc said he doesn't know if Ben can be a point guard on a championship team, and he can't. He, he can't. You can't. Point guards need to be able to score a little bit, and Ben can't do that. Um, I think a lot of people won't be able to – they're just going to hate Ben Simmons. And, I mean, I pretty much hate him now too, but I'm trying to articulate a reasonable way on how to describe it. And uh, it's just – it's tough. I can't, you can't defend him anymore. I've defended him too long and you, you just can't do it anymore. And that's where like people will say that they were right on Ben Simmons all along. And they, if they've been saying this for years, and I think those people are also kind of wrong in their own way. But, you know, I think now it's a consensus that Ben's time in Philly is done. And it was, it was a failed pick then. It was a fa- really failed pick. I'm giving him the brunt of the blame. You're a max contract player. And you shot the ball four times. And you pass up a wide open dunk. You literally can't score. We're, we're playing four on five in the half court. We're playing four on five in the half court because we're just sagging him off. I mean, it's unbelievable how bad he is at scoring the basketball when he's athletic as he is and he's 6'10". You know? You're fast. You're strong. You can jump. It's, it's unbelievable. You could put myself in my current 6'1 on athletic body. And if they defended me the same way as they defended Ben Simmons, and I was able to shoot as much as I want, which I'm sure Ben Simmons is able to, but he just doesn't, I would score more than him because I would be able to make some jump shots. And Ben just can't. Doesn't even want to take them. It's really, really, really depressing. Um, yeah, I mean, just don't want to ever see him in a, in a Sixers jersey again. But I don't know what we can get from him, but I just think he has to go. Um, I don't really know what more to say. More to say about him. It's just I can't, I can't take him anymore. Um, so I mean, I mean, I guess I'd say with this team, it's really depressing because I think this was the year they're never going to have another window like this. You know, you could beat the. I mean, the Nets next year, the Nets big three, they're not going to be hurt probably like the way they are now, you know. So they'll probably, you know, go th- are the heavy favorites to go through the Eastern Conference. You know, the Bucks are hope. I don't even know who I'm rooting for, Hawks or Bucks. You know, I kind of despise both of them. Um, the Heat could be back next year. The Heat fans think they're getting every player under the, the sun, you know, to come play for them. And the Celtics could get healthy as well. So, I mean, this is a – you're not going to – it was wide open for us, and they're not going to take it. So, it's not – window's not closed, but, you know, it's closing quickly. I, It's just – I think this roster could look vastly different, though. And so, we'll, we'll see what it does end up looking like. Um, I want to touch on this a little bit as well. Uh, I, before I say this, it's not an excuse for losing. You know, we beat ourselves completely when you blow two 20-point leads in a series. Um, and you should have easily won at least five of the games. It's your fault. You know, the Sixers lost the series. They probably should have won last night too, So, but they definitely should have won five of the seven games. 
but the referee was, and I know I'm a little biased as a Sixers fan, but that was the worst refereeing I have ever seen in a playoff basketball series. There were so many touchy fouls that sometimes there wasn't even any contact that were called from the Sixers, especially when guarding Trey Young. And Trey Young, he'll shove off with his opposite hand, no offensive foul call. You know, they're grabbing us. I mean, this it was just it was not called the same. It was so one-sided of foul calls, it was completely unbelievable. And I, I mean, this is a it's why the people don't like the NBA because they cater to one side and they cater to a certain star. And yeah, I, I can to- I totally agree with them. I mean, these refs who ref this series should be fired. They there's really no other way to look at it. They were that bad. They have the the Hawks were intentionally trying to foul at some points when Embiid's driving and he would score and they wouldn't call anything. And then these refs, you know, the Hawks throw up some crazy shot because Trey Young, you know, he's driving in, he's stuck, and then he just falls down and they look, the ball doesn't go in. Sixers get the rebound, then they blow the whistle. Foul. If it went in, it wasn't a foul, but they have to cater to the Hawks. I mean, it's it was almost like they were paying them off. It was so ridiculously one-sided. Like, every game, it seemed like that. At the game yesterday, I, I couldn't believe some of the stuff they were calling. I mean, it, it was awful. It was so, so bad. Um, yeah, I mean, that's we beat ourselves. I mean, that's not why we lost. But, I mean, it's I mean they really should be fired. I mean, there's, there's no other way to look at it. It was just that bad. And if you don't think, if you think that they, it was evenly called, I just don't really know what to say to you because, I mean, you obviously just didn't watch the same game that I watched. <laughs> it was just completely one-sided. Um, I mean, I guess that's really all I have to say about this team. I know that was a while. I don't doubt people listen to the whole thing. Just because if you're a Sixers fan, I doubt you wanted to try and think about them right now. But if you did, I appreciate it. Um, so like I said before, I mean, if you're listening, you probably, you know, either know me or follow me on Twitter, Philly Fundamentals. I'll post all my podcasts on Twitter, might create an Instagram page as well. Um, but yeah, so my other podcasts, they are done most likely, but I still want to do something because I, I do think I am I'm a very passionate Philly sports fan, which right now kind of stinks because it's just really depressing thinking that we probably should have won the championship and we're not going to have a chance at that. Um, But I think I'm also a very knowledgeable sports fan as well overall. And I think you're going to be tough to find someone who's a more knowledgeable overall sports fan than me. So if you want to, if you like, if you listen to the Philly sports radio, I honestly think I'm, more knowledgeable than, than they are not to kind of toot my own horn, but you know, I, I mean, it's also a different perspective. I'm, I'm a college kid. You don't have a lot of the shows being, you know, type of college kids are all older adults who can kind of harp on different things. I think than us, so this could be a different perspective if you're interested in that. And if you enjoyed listening to this, um, I know it was just kind of, kind of a venting session in the future. I'll, be having just different guests kind of come on to talk about different topics, whether it be the Sixers, the Phillies, the Eagles, the Flyers. You know, I might, I know it's not Philadelphia, but I might throw some golf in there as well because I've been getting a lot 
really pretty into golf. And I'll just have it under the same, the same platform as well. Um, but I want to thank you all for listening. So, and if you came from uh, listeners from Stupid Money or The Step Over and listened to this, I appreciate it as well. And then also I have another show. It's called The Wrong Theater. It's a lot of Marvel MCU content. So if you're interested in that, please look that up on Spotify. Um, once again, it's called The Wrong Theater. We do reviews of all the MCU shows each episode. And I think that's really good content as well. We kind of break down different Easter eggs and predictions and all of that. So check that out if you're interested. Um, and if you want to come on and, and talk about any topic with me, just reach out to me on Twitter and, you know, we can set up a time and have a, have a little uh, discussion about whatever you want to do. So I, I'm sorry about the somber mood. I'm still kind of depressed, but you know, once again, I appreciate you all for listening and I'll be back soon, hopefully with a little bit happier podcast, but considering we only have the Phillies for about three months before the Eagles season starts, which doesn't look too hot. I don't know how many positive podcasts there will be in, in the future, which is kind of a dim outlook, but I guess one could hope, but hope is a dangerous thing. Um, but thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Philly Fundamentals podcast. And hopefully yeah, we'll be back soon with some interesting guests. Uh, so I'll see you all soon.